Hello, my name is Ben Burrell and welcome to a podcast series taking an in-depth look at Bob Dylan's studio recordings album by album, starting with 1989's Oh Mercy. Starting with Oh Mercy might seem like an odd way to begin, but this is a really interesting and important album in Dylan's back catalogue. It was released at a time where Bob wasn't, shall we say, particularly on a hot streak. He was coming off the back of three pretty disappointing albums, both commercially and critically, in the form of Down in the Groove, Knocked Out and Loaded and Empire Burlesque. I kind of see Oh Mercy as the start of the second half of Dylan's career. I'm not saying it's all classics from here on out, but... This certainly helped to recapture that Dylan magic that might have been missing in the last couple of years of his career previous to this. This rebirth really starts with Bono from U2, funnily enough. Bono was having dinner with Dylan and he suggested that he work with a producer called Daniel Lanois, who had gained quite a bit of notoriety at this stage, working with artists such as U2 and also Peter Gabriel, to name but a few. He was seen as the main working partner of Brian Eno. Bob outlines their first conversation quite extensively in his autobiography. He writes, I've been having a hard time making records. Bono brought up the name Daniel Lanois and said he had musical ideas comparable to mine. Bono picked up the phone and dialed the man. We spoke for a moment. Basically, what Lanois said was, if I was ever in New Orleans, call him up. And in the autumn of that year, that is exactly what Dylan did. At this stage, Dylan only really has a few loose bits of music, nothing finished, certainly no fully formed songs. And that's why, in my opinion, Lanois brings so much to this record. Together, they create an album that has a really strong identity from the bass upwards. It's a late-night New Orleansy album, and it really moves Bob's sound into a different area. I'm not saying it's a complete revelation, but we visit places that Bob wouldn't have necessarily visited before. Dylan expert and writer Clinton Kalin described this as one of the most unsounding Dylan records, and I couldn't agree with him more. There's so many great style choices on these tracks. A lot feature very heavily reverbed vocals and quite atmospheric instrumentation. And interestingly, a lot of the lead guitar parts are played on a dobro guitar, giving it this tense, almost moody feel. Lamar also helped to bring a real atmosphere to the LP. You can almost hear the fact that these songs were recorded in a small makeshift studio in a house in New Orleans. There's a swampy feel to them, as he describes it. Dylan calls it a late-night album. In fact, during the 30 or so days the recording took place, the majority was at night. And if you close your eyes and actually listen to the songs, you definitely feel that kind of night atmosphere. You can almost picture a red neon-lit French quarter on a hot summer's evening. In fact, you can actually almost hear that on track five, Man in the Long Black Coat, as Lanois recorded New Orleans crickets as a base for the song. Dylan's parts for the song were recorded in one take on the 29th of March, with a small amount of overdubs coming on the 4th of April. He said the subject matter is about a condemned man, someone who loved life but couldn't live it, which is actually a theme that tends to reoccur quite a bit on this record. And it's interesting to note, the music on this album is very consistent, but also so is the subject matter. 
Lamar does a great job here. That spacious production really gives the track a widescreen context. And while the instrumentation is actually pretty stripped back when you break it down, it's extremely detailed. In fact, listening back to this record recently, I was surprised with how modern it sounded. The production really isn't a million miles away from someone like Frank Ocean with that minimal yet detailed approach. Also, listen to how the bass matches Dylan's vocals. Crickets are chipping, the water is high. There's a soft cotton dress on the line, hanging dry. The windows wide open, African trees bent over backwards from a hurricane breeze. We then get a rhythm guitar that works its way through the chords in time with a lead guitar that occasionally just picks out the odd note from those chords and they fire from left to right in your headphones or your speakers in that swell of reverb. All this is underpinned by that cricket sound and a nice addition of a violin on the chorus which actually might be a strange electronic instrument called the omnichord in disguise. This production is a long way from the kitchen sink approach of a song like Like a Rolling Stone, say, and it suits Dylan's lower register, which he uses almost exclusively on this record. On previous releases, he retained that kind of upper whine that we know so well, but here, Dylan's years really start to fully come out in his vocals. Preacher was a talking, there's a sermon he gave. He said, every man's conscience is vile and depraved. You cannot to be your guide when it's you who must keep it satisfied that idea i mentioned earlier about a minimal yet detailed approach when it comes to production is continued in another song called what good am i this is a song built around quite a simple guitar riff with some subtle flicks that are added higher up on the piano and a great organ part that sounds like we're going back to those new orleans crickets it almost hums its way through the song what good am i I'm like all the rest If I just turn away When I see how you're dressed Dylan's delivery here is exceptional. It feels incredibly focused and razor sharp, almost like he's delivering every single line like it could be his last. There's a slight air of desperation mixed into that too. I feel like we're seeing the Lamoir effect in full swing. Relations between him and Dylan were frosty at times. In fact, session musician Mark Howard, who helped mix the record, said at one point Lamoir lost it with him. He wanted Dylan to smarten up. And it seems that disciplined approach really worked well here. It really helps Dylan to, to get the best out of himself. In fact, I'd argue that we don't really hear him like this again until the Time Out of Mind LP, which was produced by, as you can probably guess, Lamoir. And I just turned my back Well, you silently died That feeling of despair that is littered throughout this song also brings into focus one of the main themes of the record, and that is it's an album of disillusionment, really. It's an album of man's downfall that's occasionally wrapped up into the subplot of the breakdown of a relationship. Those themes are never more present than on track eight, Disease of Conceit, which is a piano ballad inspired by the defrocking of televangelist Jimmy Swaggart. While I'm sure that Dylan based the song around the Swaggart incident, it does feel at times like he's discussing his relationship with fame. The lines are almost delivered like a battle-weary ageing pop star, which 
might not have taken too much acting work on the part of Dylan. He sings, There's a whole lot of people dying tonight from the disease of conceit. Whole lot of people crying tonight from the disease of conceit. Comes right out of nowhere and you're down for the count. From the outside world, the pressure will mount. Turn you into a piece of meat, the disease of conceit. There's a whole lot of people dying tonight from the disease of conceit. Whole lot of people crying tonight from the disease of conceit. Comes right out of nowhere and you're down for the count. From the outside world, the pressure will mount. Turn you into a piece of meat, the disease of conceit. That theme is definitely continued into another song on the album called What Was It You Wanted? Dylan writes about the public always wanting more. He says, if you've ever been the object of curiosity, you'll understand what this song is about. And the lyrics almost seem to address Dylan's recent career. He sings, is the scenery changing? Am I getting it wrong? Is the whole thing going backwards? Are they playing our song? Where were you when it started? Did you want it for free? What was it you wanted? Are you talking to me? Is the scenery changing? Am I getting it wrong? Is the whole thing going backwards? Are they playing our song? Where were you when it started? Do you want it for free? What was it you wanted? Are you talking to me? The feeling of this song may be repeated throughout the album, but musically, this is a slight departure in sound. We get some great percussion from Cyril Neville from the Neville Brothers, who'd recorded with Lamoir on the album Yellow Moon, the very record Lamoir was making when Dylan first met him in New Orleans, a record that, curiously enough, just to complete the circle, contains a few Dylan covers too. The song acts as a nice moment of variety on the record and culminates in one of the highlights of it, and that is the real shining harmonica solo we get towards the end. The idea I mentioned earlier of man's downfall is littered throughout these songs. In fact, track three, Everything is Broken, was inspired by Dylan seeing a broken radio in the sand on Coney Island, and the song peeks into a dystopian world where nothing is working. This also appears to be the setting for the album opener, Political World, where Dylan sings, We live in a political world where courage is a thing of the past. Houses are haunted, children are unwanted, the next day could be our last. We live in a This is obviously not a happy view of the world, but for me it really makes these songs. Dylan has something to say, a wrong to write, a subject to rant about. This is not like previous albums, Down in the Groove or Knocked Out and Loaded, that were padded out with covers. This is Dylan revelling in his refound conviction. Side two of the album starts with most of the time. And whilst the subject matter has perhaps shifted to that of a failed relationship, the atmosphere definitely stays the same. This is one of my favourite Dylan songs of all time, and it's easy to see why. 
The song's built around the idea of being at the end of the grieving process. Whether it be grieving a death or the death of a relationship, it's the idea of being fine most of the time. The lyrics are some of Dylan's best in the second half of his career. He sings, I can make it all match up, I can hold my own, I can deal with the situation right down to the bone, I can survive and I can endure and I don't even think about her most of the time. I can make it all match up I can hold my own I can deal with the situation Right down to the bone I can survive And I can endure And I don't even think About her Most of the time it's an obvious thing to point out, but I just love how five out of the six lines in that section are so defiant sounding. I can survive, I can endure, I don't even think about her. Not, I'll try and survive, I'll try and endure, which you might expect for a, a love song of this nature. It's much more forthright than that, but that is all completely undone by that final line most of the time. Almost like it's a, a devastating plot twist at the end. Crucially, the music here really matches up to those lyrics in terms of quality. There's some great haunting guitar feedback that introduces the track on a moment of tension, and that's broken quickly by this heavy, slinking bass part that the song is built around. On top of that, we have reverb-laced drums. Yes, more reverb. And there's a nice riff played on the bass guitar during the song's makeshift chorus that offers a much-needed lightness of touch. The lead guitar part really pulls its weight too. That early feedback on the song is echoed throughout as the notes aren't so much as played, but they sort of fade in and out in that swell of echo and reverb, all aided by the return of the Omnichord. And Landmark's production really again must take the plaudits here. The original Dylan demo is just a straightforward kind of country-leaning acoustic guitar song that doesn't really have any of the depth or composure of this album version. Most of the time I'm clear focused all around most of the time. I can keep both feet on the ground. I can follow the path, I can read the signs. Stay right with it when the road unwinds. I can handle what I stumble upon. I don't even notice it's gone most of the time. The last song I wanted to talk about is appropriately the album closer shooting star. We could probably file this under Cheesy Dylan. Whilst a genius, he's always had a little bit of cheese in his back catalogue, but here, that cheese works really, really well. The lyrics are really simple rhymes, something that Dylan has employed many, many times before, but there's beauty in their simplicity. This is the opposite of the lonesome death of poor Hattie Carroll, as Dylan sings, Seen a shooting star tonight, and I thought of you. You were trying to break into another world, a world I never knew. I always kind of wondered if you ever made it through. Seen a shooting star tonight, and I thought of you. Seen a shooting star tonight, and I thought of you. You're trying to break into another world, a world I never knew. I always kind of wondered if you ever made it through. So the rhymes in that section were you, knew, through, and then back to you. 
it almost has a strange nursery rhyme quality about it that is very satisfying as a listener. The lyrics appear to reveal a, a great tale of what could have been looking perhaps over a failed relationship. It's a sad but comforting, almost reflective way to finish an album. And that's something that's really brought home in the song's final verse. Seen a It's a nice song to feature at the end of an album that at times has been void of hope, but just like with other Dylan records, in particular Buckets of Rain and Blood on the Tracks, there is a certain level of resolution here, a certain moment of closure with this final song. Although not too much. We don't get too much of a happy ending. For me, this album really recaptured Dylan at his best. Without it, we might not have got albums like Time Out of Mind or Love and Theft or Modern Times that would really dominate the later stages of his career. I think a lot of praise, as I mentioned, must go to Lamoir for finding this new sound that not only took Bob to a different sonic landscape, but most importantly complemented his genius songwriting. Bob's confidence returned in one of his most interesting and important records since his first Purple Patch, a record that for other artists would have been a real career definer, but for Bob was just another moment of genius. Thanks for listening. It's been a pleasure talking to you about one of my favourite Dylan albums. If you could subscribe, that would be brilliant. If you could rate us, that would also be brilliant. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a four-star rating if you want. No lower than that. No need to go any lower than that whatsoever. If you'd like to join us next time, we're having an in-depth look at the album Desire, another absolute cracker. Until then, goodbye.